Welcome to our next episode of the 5 Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the 5 Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Okay, friends, welcome back to yet another Performance Matters podcast. Bob Moser here, as I was introduced in the introduction, it is wonderful to have you back. We so appreciate your patience, your following, your time, your contribution, your feedback. Really enjoyed recording all these. Today is one of my favorite topics that we've been having more and more of lately because it is also one of your favorite topics. It's one of our highest rated podcast series, and that is Experience Matters. A lot of you out there who are trying to even begin this journey or trying to figure out how to get there, how others got there, what are lessons learned, good, bad, and ugly, the whole nine yards. And we are so fortunate today to have two wonderful colleagues, dear friends, and frankly, real experts at this. Um, from Volvo Truck North America. We have Diana Gallant and Mary Ruth Bell on the line with us. Ladies, welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you so much, Bob. Excellent. So, team, why don't you start by letting us know a bit about your backgrounds and your organization, title, and such, make up for your team, and things like that. Thank you, Bob. This is Mary Ruth, and thanks for the opportunity to do this. I have been with Volvo for 32 years, and the last 12 of those years, I have been fortunate enough to work with what's called Trucks Academy. And Trucks Academy, when you typically hear the word Volvo, people think of cars, mm -hmm. but we support the truck side of the Volvo family. And specifically, our Volvo Trucks Academy, as well as Mac Trucks Academy, we support our dealer organizations. So we are not training or responsible for training the internal employees. We have dealer groups throughout the US, Canada, and Mexico that mm -hmm. we are responsible for. And so within that 12 years, I have traditionally been an instructor and Diana has been with our organization and I'll, I'll let her speak to that here in just a second. She's been with our organization, but she and I got paired up several years back on a couple of projects and she started encouraging me to think five moments of need. So mm -hmm. with that, Diana, I'll toss it over to you to give your background. Sure. Hi. Thanks, Mary Ruth. This is Diana, and um, I have been a practitioner of instructional design for about 20 years now, and in 2017, discovered the Five Moments of Need certificate program. And as Mary Ruth said, when we were working together, I immediately went to her as not only her as a subject matter expert, but her as an instructor, delivering a lot of the instruction for the academy. And I said, Mary Ruth, we need to do this together. This is what we've been looking for it. So in my 20 years of instructional design, I just felt like we hit the jackpot. So that is what jumped us into the journey. It started with the certificate program. Brilliant. So let's jump to there, friends. What has been the business drivers for causing you to use the five moment and so on? What's it helped in your design and the organization's well, during the Five Moments of Need certificate program that Diana and I both were in at the same time, we had a project on tap that 
we felt would be an excellent opportunity to do the five moments of need. We were working with our service advisor group and it was a strange business dynamic because we saw that need and we struggled to find a business owner for that process. And so Diane and I just kind of took the, the reins and said, okay, we're going to go about this a tad bit different. We're going to go ahead and create the five moments of need structure for this instructor-led event. And it has become an event. It has been extremely well received within our organization. So by that success story, we've been able to move forward. And we now have business partners that are asking for us to use the same methodology to create the new courses. So tell me a little bit about your own change in thinking. You're both wonderfully steeped, obviously, from your pedigree and, and resume you just gave in training. I was for years, and I used training intentionally. I had 20 plus years of that myself. Help us a little bit in your journey as a developer, designer, L&D professional. Could you both share how this has changed your thinking and, frankly, what that journey was like to change your thinking in kind of going this way? So here's the most profound change that happened to me. Being an instructor slash facilitator mm. and the subject matter expert, I obviously wanted to teach everything I knew to every student that walked through the door of my classroom. And honestly, it was like a fire hose. And the biggest aha moment for me during the certificate program that I have been able to use going forward and still today use is the criticality. What is the criticality of what you're trying to get across? And it made so much sense and it helped to simplify the experience both from the, the facilitator side as well as I believe from the, the learner's perspective. So much of what we do is instructor-led and we are now moving more into the virtual classroom and we've been able to move that criticality as we're taking a three-day class and turning it into a three-hour class. So it, it wow. really, the criticality was the biggest aha moment for me. You know, and I love that perspective because it, it still complements the classroom, doesn't it? And as trainers, I don't know about you, but I know for years, I, I stood up there knowing in my heart and staring at those faces that I probably at times was overteaching. I probably <laughs> a lot of times was going into way too much content, but you know, we've got them for that rare moment. We've got the outline to follow. And I agree with you. I think it's, and so often the five moments is looked at as a anti-classroom model or against ILT. And, and we found when you do five moments in the right way, to your perfect example, it really does take a lot of burden off the instructor, lets the classroom be more of what it really probably should be. And I love your analogy of the time frame of what it lets us get down to what's probably most important. So Diana, give us a little bit about your journey. What's your mindset been like in do, going to this with all your experience and background? Well, thanks, Bob. Um, I've always had a performance-based mindset, so it's like I've been chasing uh, models that sort of focus on that. And I think the piece that struck me so much about the methodology for five moments is it goes right straight to the heart of what does it take to perform in a role, all the supports around with the knowledge, et cetera, that need to support that performance. And I think one of the most powerful aspects that we've really grabbed onto is the visual component mm. of making invisible things visible mm, in terms that. of workflow. Not only do the visual maps and these cognitive maps that are such an important part of the methodology, 
not only does that help me as a designer understand a job from a holistic perspective, but it also builds this bridge of understanding with mm. performers who, when they see the visual maps of what we put in front of them and ask them to validate, suddenly there's this effortless connection of we're partners in this and oh my you really understand our world and it shows that we've really made that attempt and it really builds the trust and collaboration right from the get-go so to me it just gets right to the core of performance we've had more SMEs you guys tell us over the years non-learning folks that after going through an RWA and experiences that this is for some of them and these are some senior folks the first time they've truly seen the nature of the work that's performed every day. You know, they, they've got process flows they've done and all these other kinds of things. And, and, and those are also wonderful too. But at the same time, when they see the results of this and they involve them in discussions. So Dan, I love your point about the fact that this really makes the work transparent to both the, those of us designing to fill it, meet the need, but also the organization at, at large. And a lot of times we've been thanked for that exercise alone, right? <laughs> Let alone the deliverable that comes out of it. So friends, Take us a little bit to where you are today. So, so give me an update on where are you in the journey as of now? Well, we actually are in a, a really good place right now. We have a new director that came on board about six months ago and completely understands performance support and mm-hmm. the underlying methodology. He is supporting Diana and I in a big way. We've had a little bit of challenges in the past getting traction for the software requirements and we did kind of a homegrown interactive pdf type activity for one of our projects and though it's good it's not excellent but this new director is giving us not exactly free reign but certainly more opportunities to research the technology i think diana's words correct me if i'm wrong diana it's not necessarily the technology it's the methodology that's important Mm -hmm. and i think we've had to keep that flag ahead of us just to keep going as we've met the ups and downs of pitfalls maybe is the way to say it sure and there are some there's no doubt it's it's growing for all of us for the lnd team and as well as the organization and i applaud the fact you have a director in there that gets it now is that director an lnd director or is it part of the enterprise Well, he's a CPLP from Mm -hmm. ATD, so that got him started in at least the terminology, which was a step above what we had had before, but he's actually showing real promise to us as we've tried to move forward with these projects. Brilliant. So what what has has it been like to bring change of this nature to Volvo? A lot of organizations, as you said, I mean, Mary Ruth, you described it perfectly, and it was, by the way, atypical, is that you were very steeped in training, a lot of ILT, totally get that, particularly with dealer training and customer-facing stuff. A lot of high-touch organizations should and want to do that. So this is really a dramatic culture change, if you will, for Volvo. How did that go? What was it like to go through that part of bringing the organization on board? The biggest challenge for me sitting inside the confines of the corporate office, Diana felt this a little bit as we worked through our projects, but the biggest challenge for me was that people still want to test. They want to prove, they want this hundred question test to prove that somebody can do something. And Diana and I have met quite a bit of resistance Mm. from the fact that the performance support is more in the moment. and necessarily tested and testing is not appropriate. Mm. 
you know, it's funny because a lot of times we run into this whole area where it's, and I love the way you said it, let's test them so we know what they can do. Well, wait a second. <laughs> a written test or test so we, or, or even sometimes, frankly, a demonstration test so we know what they can do. As we all know, that those types of tests or even, even that kind of overt performance, particularly maybe right after a class or a lab, might show a moment of time, but it really doesn't show the application of things going forward with the use of the EPSS or other things. How has the EPSS been addressed or accepted within Volvo? Is that a new term for you folks? Did you have to kind of bring that whole thing on for them to understand? We've always led in educating our stakeholders, whether they're the business, our own team, or the performers themselves, by educating them with the visual map. So we always lead with the methodology before we even talk technology, because if we don't get the methodology in place, then you're just throwing a tool at it and it's not right. going to accomplish anything. So I'd like to say that the proof is in the performance, well, just hearkening back to Mayor Ruth's statement about testing and how people are constantly asking for you know, we kind of redirect the conversation to help them understand how they can really get more targeted to business outcomes by looking at the proof is in the performance. And I can give you an example. One of the deliverables that we created using the five moments of methodology was a resource that had the five moments built in. It was built on the two clicks, 10 seconds principle there was a request to have testing with that and test, mm -hmm. test, test to make sure they covered every bit of that resource. And so our opportunity in that was to say, but look, if they can submit a warranty claim, a clean claim within two weeks, there's your proof. Yep. So that's the kind of leadership that we have been infusing into our whole efforts to bring this forward. Love the performance focus. Yeah, and, and the testing is in, is in the performance, right? It's so funny. I think our industry is falling back on compliance and testing and such so much as a way to prove it, the fact that people went through something and have been afraid in some cases. Maybe because we don't go with them further into the five moments than we do. We stay in one and two. But there's always been this angst of letting the learner test out by performing out, if you will. And so I so love the example. I think it's so perfect. Bob, can I add one more thing about yeah, that? Because please. it's so pertinent. And when we say, okay, the proof is in the performance, then you can actually talk in the language of business and say, how has that affected all your KPIs? Yeah. What's changed? Let's look at these indicators. Are you starting to get remedy to the changes that you came to us for help with? You know, Dana, that's my favorite part of the, about the discipline. I've been at this like y'all for over 20 something, almost 30 years. The infamous ROI acronym has always driven me crazy. Not that I don't get it, not that I don't want to show it, but when I had training alone, defending it, super hard, super, super hard. And so this ability to align to KPIs, to be seen as a business partner better than I ever could have when I was just in, and I'm air quoting here, training has changed the way that I'm, I'm viewed by the enterprise, the way I look at my work and my ability to do what I think training is about in the first place. So, so powerful when it moves into the five moments fully. So friends, people sitting out there, they love listening to these stories and they sit there going, well, I'm back here, you're out there. What three things would you advise them or tell them to do, or maybe even frankly not to do that helped you along the way to get to where you are today? Well, I'll take that one first, open-minded because I was so close-minded to my method worked. Mm. 
because I taught fantastic classes. I always got rave reviews. Everybody wanted to know when my next class was. My class was not an incentivized class, so it was quite heady. So be open-minded. I, I was very, very thankful to have an instructional designer like Diana that kept saying, there's another way, there's another way. So that's the first of the three. The second one is not to get frustrated whenever the business doesn't get it because that has been, I mean, I got it immediately, yeah. but the business didn't buy in nearly as fast as me. And then the third one is don't get discouraged when the IT solutions, because we're a large company mm -hmm. and the IT solutions move very slowly and that circles back to the be open-minded. It's kind of a circle of evolution, if you will. But those would be my three, Diana. I know what your three are. I bet I could guess now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll speak from an instructional design perspective because all my colleagues out there in the instructional design role, here's the top three things that stand out to me, is that in L&D, there's often a perception that we own learning, but we mm. don't. Humans learn by the sheer nature of out of curiosity. That's human nature. And so people are going to seek out by their own immediacy of circumstances to solve problems and do their jobs and all that. And so humans learn in spite of anything we put in front of them. So it's really more of a partnership. And that goes right into my point number two is that, you know, as instructional designers, the most valuable thing we add is enabling others to perform. That's how I see my sole role. And I'm an advocate to enable that to happen. And it requires a different mindset than designing learning in isolation of a job context. Mm -hmm. So when you can really see a, a person's world from their view of actually doing a job, it just blows open this whole opportunity for that performance in such fascinating ways and ways that don't necessarily replace ILT and virtuals and e-learning. It doesn't really replace that. It reallocates it so that it's in the more, the most relevant place under supporting knowledge, etc. And that leads into my third point, which is really recognizing how absolutely crucial building a solid foundation is to high performance. Mm. And that is really accomplished through the five moments of need methodology, because as you're, you're really mapping out a work, all the tasks involved, it creates this whole framework for a curriculum and beyond so that the things that you choose to develop and where you choose to put them around that solid foundation and that workflow context is immediately relevant. And then you're just building on with everything that is directly relevant to performance. And I can only think that this would be music to any business's ears to hear this because it so supports all business goals in that way. Brilliant. Well, my friends, can't thank you enough. These are interesting times. We started out with that before we started the recording. And I do believe, friends, out of everything comes goodness, out of everything comes opportunities, even as horrific as this can be and feel at times. And I think this is an opportunity, a friend of mine said this the other day, for L&D to really emerge differently. You know, for us to play a much yes. more impactful role in some ways because we're being forced to innovate, try things we haven't before, and, and break some of those mindsets I think you talked about. 
in meeting the needs of the stressed and stretched worker of today. So I thank you both for your vision, for your courage, for your patience and in having done this so well and been so dedicated to the craft and taking time today. And I know it is a difficult time. So my friends, thanks so much for being here. Can't thank you enough. Thank you, Bob. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.the5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.